Welcome to our messages online. At WCC, we are in a season of action. Today, Pastor Scott is in the book of Acts, chapter 5. Good morning, church family. It's good to see you today. Good to be with you. We're going to continue in our study of the book of Acts, where we have been seeing the actions of God and then how that shapes our own actions. And I want to share a story with you today from this book that will inspire you. If you have a receiving heart and a receiving mind, this story will inspire you to live like Christ. So grab your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. If you want to use that Bible in front of you, turn to page 913. I know some of you will find that on your phone, but here's what I want you to do. I'm going to show you some things today. I want you to underline. I want you to circle. This is why when I grab my Bible, there are I mark it up so I can refer back to this. Grab a Bible today so that you can mark some things up. As we're looking in the book of Acts, we see a story here. The, the followers of Jesus Christ are taking the message of Jesus Christ out, and what we see are a lot of comings and goings. A lot of, we're going here, and then we're coming over here, and people are living and dying, and, and a lot of movement going on. It reminds me that this is our life as well. This past week, we got news that one of our longtime members, Barbara Martin, went home to be with the Lord. And Barbara is mom of Mike, and uh, just great part of our church. And uh, she's with Jesus today. She's with Jesus. So this, what we're talking about, actually has practicality. People will enter and stand before the Lord. And so there's a going. It's a sweet going. I was also thinking about this. Uh, last week, we sent the Bryants, and we prayed for the Bryants and the Millers as they are moving to Hawaii, and Danielle left, and then my brother is going to be leaving. This is his last Sunday, and so in honor of him going to Hawaii... I grabbed this shirt that he gave me a while back. I'm like, I'm never wearing that thing. Well, maybe unless it's your last Sunday. He says that this shirt and the Great Wall of China are the only two things you can see from outer space when you look down on planet Earth. So if I stand outside today, maybe, you know, NASA's going to report me or something. But anyway, um, hey, uh, love you, buddy, and have a good, safe trip, and uh, we'll see you sometime. We never know when we're going to see each other again, right? And uh, so, uh, but God is good. God is good. We're all part of a big family with a great hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Well, today I've got a message for you. I've entitled it, The Choice to Rejoice. The Choice to Rejoice. Uh, we have choices every day. I want to con you to consider this choice you have to rejoice in any and every circumstance. Now, here's what I know that we all, if we wanted to, we could make a list of our hurts. We could make a list of our problems. We could do that today. Or we could make a choice to see the goodness of God. We could make the choice to see who God is in any situation. We could make the choice to see what God has done in the past. We could make this choice. And so there's a choice before us every moment. Are we going to choose to see the goodness of God? Are we going to make the choice to rejoice? Or are we going to focus on our problems, the, the difficulty in our life? That's a choice we have constantly before us. And so today we will look at this one choice to rejoice in any and every circumstance. On your notes, if you uh, would look there, there's a question or a comment. One problem that I'm facing. I'd like you to write down a problem that you're facing, if you would. might be a problem you've been facing for quite a while, but I'd like you to consider that. What's a problem that you're facing 
Yesterday, I was looking over these notes again because I had written that statement a few days back. And, but yesterday, I was looking at that, and I wrote down, well, not one problem that I was facing. I had to write two. And I don't want you to write too many, but you can write two, I guess, because I did this. I wrote two. And one of the problems that I was facing yesterday when I wrote this at an airport was, I'm not sure I'm going to get home to Albany, Oregon by Sunday morning. That was a problem I was facing. I called or texted Cyrus and said, hey, um, you might have to preach for me. I think I might be stuck in the airport. They're telling me there are no seats, and I'm not sure I can make up. That was a problem I was facing. I then wrote another problem. Now, obviously, I'm here, so the one problem has gone away within 24 hours. The other problem, which I'll talk about a little later this morning, has not gone away in the past 24 hours and probably will not go away for quite some time. But I'd like you to consider what was some baggage that you came in with this morning? What's a problem? It's maybe a meeting that you've got to have this next week, a health concern you have, financial crisis, you're going through a relational problem you're dealing with. Would you consider a problem that you're facing right now? And here's what I want you to know if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're following him, a Christ follower, we are saved to be joyful. I want you to write this down and consider this. Saved to be many things. We've talked about saved to be witnesses for Jesus. But today I want us to consider that we have been saved by God through the work of Jesus, our belief in the work of Jesus, saved to be joyful. You've been saved to be joyful. This is one of your callings in life, to be joyful. And in order to make that choice to rejoice, you and I have to have some information. If we just make it on a quick feeling, well, that's usually not a great idea, but we need some information. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this story today, understand this story in Acts chapter 5. I want you to see some information for your own heart so that you can make a choice to rejoice in any circumstance that comes your way. Let me give you a little context of this story because in Acts chapter 5 we get here, these people had recently, some of them had seen with their very own eyes that Jesus Christ was crucified maybe just months ago. And they have seen this and they know that, well, that was gruesome and he was killed and his dead body was carried off, but we also saw him alive. He appeared over the next 40 days, and 500 people had seen him with their eyes that Jesus was alive. So these people knew that this was in the rearview mirror recently, that Jesus had been crucified and raised to life. They also knew this, that God miraculously had sent his Holy Spirit into those who had believed Jesus. Those people who said, you know what? I have a sin problem, and I can't fix it anyway, but I believe that Jesus paid my debt. And for those people, they received this amazing gift of God's very own spirit. You and I receive this gift when we believe in Jesus. So this has happened. Let me give you a couple thoughts that have happened uh, in this story. One, the church and the mission of Jesus was growing. The church was growing, not a building. This group of people, the mission was growing. Thousands of people have turned their life over to Jesus, saying, we thought that maybe he was just a good teacher, but now we believe that he's the Savior of the world, the Savior of my life. And the church is growing. The mission is growing. But not only with that is that there was much opposition. I want you to write this down, that there was strong opposition. 
Strong opposition, and it was really the God followers fighting with the Jesus followers. The God followers and the Jesus followers. And you might say, isn't that the same? Well, it should be, but it wasn't. There were these group of Jewish people who believed that God, they called him Yahweh, where we would get the word Jehovah. They believed this God, this creator, he was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And they look back on their history of Israel and say, this is our God. There are those people then that said, we believe that Jesus is this son of God, that he was the one sent from God to restore all things and to save us. Then there were some people who said, well, we love this same God, but we think Jesus is a false teacher. We think Jesus is a heretic. This is why we were shouting, crucify him. So there's this great opposition amongst similar people, the God followers and the God followers who were really Jesus followers. So there's this massive fight. Who is this Jesus? That was the dividing question. The reality is, this is the question every single one of us has to answer. Who is Jesus? Is Jesus some good teacher whose birthday you love to celebrate at the end of every December? You're like, I love baby Jesus. Or is Jesus greater than that and saying, you know what? I had a sin problem, and he's the only one who could fix that. And he's the one I owe my life to. This is the question we all have to answer. Who is this Jesus? This was the debate. This is why there's opposition. Now, with that, let's look at Acts chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, the high priest, this is the God people who really don't like Jesus, the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. And they arrested the apostles, these are the ones who had been with Jesus, and put them in the public prison. Let me just stop there for a moment, because as I look at that, I think sometimes our greatest opposition is actually those who are the closest to us, right? Consider this with me. Sometimes the ones we fight with the most are the ones that we are closest to. I started making a list of the people I fight with the most. Right at the top of that list are the ones that live at my home, all right? I'm like, well, we get so close to each other, and we have differing opinions, and we... And then it goes from there to, well, it's the staff because I work with them a lot. Sometimes the ones that hurt us the most are the ones closest to us. Can I get an amen? Or maybe the ones that you hurt the most are the ones closest to you. We see this here. There's a fight going on. These people, they they say they all love this God. There's a difference on who Jesus is. It's a massive question, but this is where the opposition comes from. And if there was ever a question about the power of Jesus and who he was, we start to see it in verse 19. Follow along as I read this. But during the night, remember the apostles, the followers of Jesus are in prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord, an angel of God, an angel actually of Jesus himself opened the prison doors and brought them out and said to them, now go and stand in the temple and speak to The people, all the words of this life, Jesus had said things like this. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The angel says, now get out of here, out of this prison, and go speak about this life, this life of Jesus. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak in the morning and said, we got to teach. We got to talk about this Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Let me keep reading. Follow along. 
Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the synod of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. They said, get those guys out of prison. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, uh, Houston, we have a problem. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Verse 27, and when they had brought them, they set them before the council And the high priest questioned these Jesus followers, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name of Jesus. Yet here you are, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter, the outspoken one, answered, Catch this, we must obey God rather than men. That's a great line. We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. Not mincing words here, just saying you were the one who did this. Verse 31, God exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, we're looking at this story here, and we're going to see that there's this choice to rejoice, and we're going to see this, but I want you to start here and notice that this is really the foundation of our gospel. This is the foundation of our good news. When we use this word gospel, when we use this word good news, we see some of this in what Peter said. I want you to write this down, that Jesus has been raised and he has been exalted. This is good news, not just to believe once when you're a little kid. But this is good news to believe every single day of your life that Jesus is alive. That what destroys everybody else called death did not destroy him. He's raised. He is alive today. You can talk to him today. He's at work today because he is raised. He's been exalted to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. This is good news for us. We don't serve a statue who cannot hear us. We serve a risen king. This is the foundation of our gospel. But not only that, we can look at this and realize that he offers repentance and forgiveness. Now, you and I need this every single day. We don't need this just one day when we believed in Jesus to get the forgiveness of sins. But you and I need to know this every single day because here's what happens. You and I sin. You and I have a hard heart at times. You and I go wayward. And then we say, okay, I probably have to avoid God. No, 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 no. Jesus offers a change of heart. Jesus offers a change of mind. He says, come to me. Don't run from me. Come to me. I want to show you that I love you. I want to show you that your sins are forgiven. Now, you don't need to live in that. In fact, don't live in that way of life. But I want you to know I offer you to come home every time you run your own way. That's good news. Can I get an amen? So this is not just a gospel and you say, yeah, I believed it when I was a kid or I believed it last year at one point. No, this is the gospel to believe. This is the good news to believe every day that this Jesus offers repentance and forgiveness. 
And so believe this gospel, trust this gospel every day. The choice here is either believe this or run from it. Trust in this or harden your heart to it. Believe this every single day. Let me keep reading the rest of the story. Verse 33. So when they heard this, this, these are the religious leaders, the ones who do not follow Jesus. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill Peter and the other Jesus followers. So mad, like you're calling us out. You're saying this about Jesus. You're turning our nation to follow this Jesus. They were enraged and wanted to kill them. Verse 34, but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, Gamaliel, his name means my avenger is God. Some of you guys are into this avenger thing. I'm not really sure about it, so I won't speak much about it. But he said, his name is my avenger. You want to know who the, the great avenger is? My avenger is God. That's his name. Here's what he says. The Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, he says, He's a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people. He stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. He said, you guys just step out here. Let me talk to uh, the inner circle here. And he said, men of Israel, take care of what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, you guys remember Theodos? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He rose up claiming to be somebody. And a number of men, about 400, joined him. Do you remember that? And they're like, oh, yeah, we remember that. What happened? He was killed, the leader was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. You remember that story? And they're like, oh yeah, we remember that story. Yeah, 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 it came to nothing. Okay. Gamaliel goes on, verse 37. And do you remember Judas the Galilean? He rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. You remember that? And they're like, oh yeah, 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 I remember that story. Yeah, we thought he was, he was going to turn everybody's heart a certain direction. He died, and yeah, yeah, that didn't work out. Verse 38, Gamaliel says, So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Like when they die in like 50, 60, 70 A.D., this whole Jesus talk is just going to die out. Verse 39, but if it is of God, you'll not be able to overthrow them. You might even find yourself opposing God, and they still might be following Jesus, like in 2019, on the far side of a world that we don't even know about. So they took his advice, and when they had called the apostles in, they just beat them and charged them not to speak the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. Beat them probably meant that they took whips. This is the way they would do things and rip the flesh off of their back. This isn't just a little slap on the hand and a warning and say, okay, I'm just writing it on a file. This is your warning. You're no, they beat them most likely on the back. They're ripping their flesh off. They're bleeding. They're in pain. Verse 41. And then these guys, the, these followers of Jesus, they left the presence of the council Rejoicing. Would you circle or underline that word, rejoicing? What? That word's out of place. They were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one sent from God, is in fact Jesus of Nazareth, who had been crucified and raised to life. 
I see a choice in here, choice to rejoice. Go back to verse 41, if you would. It says they were rejoicing. Are you kidding me? They've been in jail for Jesus. They get out. Now they are beat to the pulp for Jesus. I imagine the blood has not dried yet. It might still be gushing out, and they are rejoicing. What? I want you to know that God gives us reasons to rejoice. Specifically, God gives me reasons to rejoice. He gives you reasons to rejoice. Would you write this down and repeat after me? God gives me reasons to rejoice. I want you to repeat that to yourself throughout the week, that he gives me reasons to rejoice. I'm not sure what beating you might take, but he gives you reasons to rejoice. Let's talk about joy for a quick second because rejoice, well, what's that mean to, to be joyful on and on? Let's talk about joy. Here's what joy is. You'll see it in your notes. Joy is the good feeling. It's an emotion in the soul. It is produced by God. So this is different than happiness. This isn't just, ooh, uh, you know, I, I like strawberry ice cream and it's good for my stomach and it's good for my nose and my tongue and things like that. But this is a good feeling, a good emotion produced by the Spirit of God as we see the beauty of Jesus. You see, these men had seen the beauty of Jesus. They'd seen this. There were reasons to rejoice. God, the Holy Spirit, was producing this joy in them. You and I, we need to look for the beauty of Jesus. Not just like pictures of Jesus. Oh, that's beautiful. Not just look at a cross and go, okay, that was beautiful love of God. Not just creation, though all of these things are the beauty of Jesus, but understanding the grace of God in our lives. To look at this beauty, to look at this beauty, and as we look at this, the Spirit of God produces this great feeling, this great emotion in us. There are reasons that God gives us to rejoice as we see the beauty of Christ. I want to give you three real quickly, three reasons to rejoice so that you can make the choice to rejoice. The first one is the word saving. Write this down. One of the reasons I believe that these men are rejoicing is they know what saving means. If you think about it, they've just been in jail recently. They've been saved from that. Then they go before the council. They could be sent back to jail, but no, they're released. All right, they're saved from that, but they know this. They know that God has done something greater in them. When Jesus says, I'm going to give my body to you, um, my blood is going to be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, they know that they have a great salvation that comes from God, a great saving. It's like, yeah, he saved me from this and this and this, but really, he has saved me from the greatest problem I've ever had, which was my sin. And as you and I reflect on the grace of God, as you and I reflect on the fact that God has saved us, some of you would say in here, yeah, he saved me from cancer. I had it, but I'm still kicking. Or some of you would say, I, I had relational failure, financial failure. He saved me from that. Great. But I hope many of you, if not all of you, would say, you know what? I know that Jesus has saved me from my sins. And this is a reason to rejoice so that ultimately we can make the choice to rejoice in any situation. Let me give you a second reason. The word sending, the word sending. These men had been sent. They'd been sent by Jesus. Last Monday night, coach told me in the softball game, said, go play center field. 
I'm like, I get to go play center field. So I'm running out to the field. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. I'm so excited. I got in the game. They're letting an old 50-year-old get to play in a game. Granted, it's a non-competitive softball league. But anyway, I get to play. I'm so excited that I get to be in the game. I mean, I remember all those years sitting on the bench in high school basketball. But to get in the game, ooh, it's good to be in the game. Here's what, God has saved us from our sins, not just to say, okay, one day you get to have an eternity with me. He says, I'm saving you now so that I can send you now. I want you in the game now. I want you to be an ambassador for me now. I was thinking of some of Jesus' words, and I imagine that the apostles are rejoicing because they're thinking of their sending. They heard these words from Jesus, as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. They're like, He's including us. We get to be in the, the Messiah, the Son of God. He's sending us. Jesus said things like this. Go and make disciples. You, go make disciples of all nations. Us, we get to do that. Then Jesus said this to these guys. Listen, you, ordinary Joes, you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. You, I'm sending you. And then look what he says in verse 20. The angel of the Lord says, go, I'm sending you. Stand in the temple. Speak to the people all the words of life. As you and I spend some time just reflecting on the fact that God has included me and you in his work to be his ambassadors in our neighborhood, in our workplaces. He saved you not just to go to heaven one day. He saved you to send you. It's like, me? Yeah, you. I'm ordinary. He's like, not with the Spirit of God in you, you're not. He's sending us. They've got joy. All of a sudden, they reflect on this, and they're like, Jesus considered us worthy. Woo! So, saving, sending. One more word I want to give you. Write this down. It's the word suffering. It's a reason to rejoice. You might go, what you talking about, Willis? All right? Suffering is a reason to rejoice. Suffering is a reason to rejoice. I imagine, go back to verse 41. It says, they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Where did they get an idea that suffering for the name of Jesus was a good thing? Where did they get that? I started thinking, they probably went back and thought, we remember Jesus saying this. In fact, he said it for the first time we remember three years ago. He was on a mount Write this down, Matthew chapter 5. You can read it for yourself this week. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus started saying this. Here's what a blessed life looks like. A blessed life is one who mourns because you'll be comforted by me. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart because they're the ones that are actually going to see God. He finished this this section and says, blessed are you who are persecuted For righteousness' sake. What? Because yours is the kingdom of God. They had heard that phrase over and over. Blessed are you if you're persecuted for following me because I got an eternal kingdom that's for you. And when they're in jail and when they're in front of the council and then when they're beat, they're leaving and they're like, I think this is what Jesus was talking about. He said we're blessed if we're persecuted for him Because we get to be part of his eternal kingdom. Reasons to rejoice? Saving, sending, suffering. 
You see, you and I, as we reflect on the promises of God, it would bring about joy. God gives me reasons to rejoice so that I can make a choice to rejoice in any and every situation. Go back to verse 41 again. Look at this. Rejoicing. I want you to do this this week. You see at the bottom of your notes, there's an assignment. I want you to read the letter to the Philippians. This is a group of Christ followers in a city, Philippi. A guy named Paul wrote this. And he wrote this while he was imprisoned for speaking about Jesus Christ. But the letter is filled with joy. It's filled with joy. And I want to say this about joy, that being joyful in the Lord, because this is what the Apostle Paul would say. He'd say, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. I'll say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Being joyful in the Lord is stepping back to see and believe that God is painting an awesome picture. This is what it is. To be joyful in the Lord is to step back and see and believe that God is painting an awesome picture. Repeat after me. Step back. Step back. I mean, maybe some of you have heard that step back from the vehicle. You know, okay, okay. Step back from the problem. Some of you wrote that on your notes. What's the problem you're facing? Step back. Step back from your problem. And see if you would... And believe that God is actually writing an awesome painting. You just can't see it right now because you're too close to the problem. I want to show you one of my favorite pictures. Uh, It's a picture I have in my office right next to my desk. It's a picture that brings joy to my heart. Every time I look at it, I think, oh, that was a good day. When I think about it, I think those are good people. When I look at that picture, I just think, this blesses my heart. Lord, I get to work Right here, I mean, I look at this picture and it brings great joy to my heart. It's an emotion, it's a feeling in my soul produced by the Spirit of God as I consider the beauty of Jesus. I look at this picture and it says, beauty of Jesus to me. You want to see that picture this morning? Let me show it to you, all right? Here's this picture. You see that? I mean, I look at that picture and my heart wells up with joy. It's like, that is so good, isn't it? I mean, do you see that? Just nod if you're like, I see what you're talking about. Just like, not many nodding. All right. Why aren't you nodding? Why don't you see what I see? Okay, maybe we need to step back from that picture a little bit. All right. Maybe what we need to do is step back. All right. We step back from that picture and get a bigger, oh, Now do you know what I'm talking about? Does that picture bring joy to your heart? I mean, to me, that picture says, okay, God, you are at work in my life. You surround me with great people. I get to work with great people. Just, okay, it's too freaky. Can we uh, move on to the next picture? All right. No, there. Okay, good. And so to have this joy in the Lord, what we have to do is we have to step back sometimes. We have to step back and see and believe that God is painting an awesome picture. The problem is you and I, we get so close to our problems, we can't step back and actually see what God is doing. Can I get an amen to that? Friday night, I got some news. I was hanging out with my wife, just having a great time. But I got a phone call and got some news that uh, just wasn't fun to hear. Heard that one of our cars had been broken into A window was knocked out, and then a bunch of possessions were taken out of the car. And uh, just some family heirlooms, you know, just valuables to our family. And it was crushing. 
And I remember sitting there thinking, okay, oh, Lord, I got to preach on the choice to rejoice. Are you kidding me? It's like he does, next week I'm preaching on how to win the lottery. And, you know, so the Lord says, okay, here's your choice. Are you going to choose to rejoice when you just hear that your car's broken into, possessions have been stolen, it's going to cause some problems in the coming days, will you have the choice to rejoice? I'm like, I guess I will. If I, when I got real close to the situation, it was just, it was ugly. It was like, dang it, I want to get mad. And I found myself saying, wait a second. God, you've already been preparing my heart to write these words down that in order to rejoice in the Lord, not in that circumstance necessarily, but to rejoice in the Lord, I need to step back from the problem. I need to believe that you're actually painting an awesome picture. The problem is right now, I'm so close to this problem, all I see is the problem. And he said, step back from the problem. And I'm like, okay, I'm stepping back. And I believe that you can do something great. I'm on the phone with multiple people trying to figure out what to do. Got back and I'm doing some dishes. And all of a sudden, and that's not really a fun thing to do when you're struggling anyway with bad news. I'm doing dishes and all of a sudden I realized I had a smile on my face. And all of a sudden I realized I was singing a song. I'm not going to sing it now, but I'll share some of the words. I was singing a song that said, God, I've seen you move. You move mountains, and I believe that you can do it again. You've made ways where there was no way, and I believe you're going to do it again. And I found myself smiling, and I found myself singing in a joyful tone. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, you step back from the problem, and you believe that I'm writing, I'm in control. This didn't catch me by surprise. I'm writing a story, I'm painting an awesome picture. Will you believe me with that? And I said, I'll believe you with that. All of a sudden I had a joy, I had joy in my heart and it moved up to my face and it moved out of my face and I was singing a song and I went to bed with peace in my heart. It's like, this is crazy. I'm rejoicing in the Lord, not necessarily in the situation, but I'm rejoicing in the Lord. And in the middle of doing the dishes, I made the choice to rejoice in the Lord. Now, I said I had two problems I wrote down yesterday in the airport. One was, God, I'm not sure I'm going to get home and I don't know what the church is going to do and how we're going to do all that because I don't think I'm going to make it home. And that one got answered, and I'm here, and I'm about done. But the second one I wrote is, I don't know what to do with the loss of some valuables. And some of them are keepsakes, and the pain it's going to cause, and I don't know what to do with that. And it's not solved. It's not reconciled yet. Tomorrow, I'll get to do some of the work with an insurance adjuster and all those type of things. But I'm grateful that God had already given me these words before all of that came down. I want to share them with you. Write this down if you would. God might miraculously save me from my current problem. He might. He might. He might miraculously save you. When I was at the airport, the, the message I got were zero seats available. Scott and Angela, you were the next two that missed out. Like, honey, we missed out on the flight. Somehow, miraculously, they said, some people didn't show up. Scott and Angela Miller, would you like to get on this flight? We ran to the desk. We said, yes, we would. 
I was like, God, <laughs> sometimes you miraculously solve a problem like that. I, this, I didn't see this one happening. God might miraculously save me from my current problem. And when he does rejoice, when he does give him thanks, when he does journal about it, I was on the airplane journaling like, you wouldn't believe this. You know, and I took a screenshot of the picture. No seats available. Oh, we're missed out. But here I am on the plane. Wow. When those things happen, great. Rejoice. He might. He might miraculously save you from a current problem. But here's what I want you to know. But through Jesus God led me to write these words before I knew any of this would happen, but through Jesus. And here's the key. It's through Jesus. Through Jesus, he has already saved me from my greatest problem. This is how come I can rejoice. He's already saved me from my greatest problem. My greatest problem is not how to fix the car and get things back that were stolen. I may never get that back. But I know that he saved me from my greatest problem. My greatest problem was I had a sin problem. I was dead in my transgressions and sin. I had no relationship with God. I deserved an eternity apart from God. But God, who was rich in mercy, he sent Jesus. I believed in him. He changed my heart. He's fixed my greatest problem. Can I get an amen? And so because of that, I have reasons to rejoice. I can make a choice to rejoice. For those of you who know that, but through Jesus, he's already saved me from my greatest problem, come on, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. You see, when we look at suffering, whatever you're going through today, maybe it's that front of the piece of paper, whatever you wrote down, that necessarily doesn't bring the joy. But when we step back, when we see the bigger picture, when we believe that God is orchestrating an awesome picture, I don't know what God's orchestrating with all that. I mean, immediately, I think a couple days later, I get to use a nice little sermon illustration that I had not planned on using when I uh, was writing this on Thursday and Friday. But now I get to. But I, I believe, I actually believe that God's going to do something awesome with this. I mean, I don't know what that is. I, and I don't mean awesome like we'll get some of this stuff back. But I think he's going to change hearts in this. I really do. I believe that God is going to do miraculous things through this. I, I'm just stepping back saying, God, that's just what you do. You don't just use this for a good message. You do this to change lives. Maybe he's going to change some of your lives today. Because you're looking at a problem and you're saying, this is all I see. And the only choice I want to make is I just want to be angry and bitter and ruin my life. And I'm telling you, step back. Step back and see and believe that God is painting an awesome picture in your life. Step back to see it. Step back to believe it. Because God is giving us plenty of reasons to rejoice so that every day and in every situation we can make that choice to rejoice. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, uh, I'm amazed when I read this story. It's so many things. That you raised your son from the dead. That you released the apostles from prison, that they would rejoice 
after getting beaten to a pulp. I'm amazed that as I was writing this message, you were actually writing it as well. And it stinks sometimes. Loss hurts. My brothers and sisters are going through this. They're, they're facing losses. And they don't like what the doctor says. And they don't like that they're not getting along in their marriages. And they don't like that their cars are falling apart. And they don't have relationships with their kids like they want. But we're going to step back going to step back and see that you're painting an awesome picture. When we get too close, it's fuzzy. We just don't get it. But we will step back in faith and believe, oh, you're writing an awesome story. You're painting an awesome picture. You're changing my heart and our hearts. So give us faith to step back and make the choice to rejoice in you. God, I pray for those here today that don't know you and they're, they're trying to earn your love and they're, maybe they just don't know enough about you yet. I ask that you help them to step back from their life and go, it's not working. Maybe I need this Jesus. And would you help them to receive you today even say, I need you, Jesus. It's that simple. And you come into our lives and you change us. So keep changing us. You offer repentance. You offer forgiveness. And I ask that you would cause us to make a choice to rejoice in any and every situation this next week. And it will be mind-blowing to the people around us. So produce joy in us, God. We pray this for your glory. We pray this for the sake of others that we live around. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for taking some time today to look into God's word with us. We hope you were both encouraged and challenged. Join us again next week as we continue our study.